You are listening to the Becoming Love Conference, a three-part series with Dan Moeller. The event took place May 20th and the 21st. This is part one of three. Thanks for being here. It's a simple gospel. (laughs) That was probably one of the best introductions ever. (laughs) That was really good. I like you, Jesse, a lot. Amen. Yeah. You know, you know why that song, that song sticks in you, doesn't it? Who was humming that song before he started singing it the second time? I was still like kind of humming it. Jesus likes those kind of songs. You know why? Because you can take them with you. I'm telling you, he's, he, he, and he does want to bless us and all that stuff. I get that, but he wants you to know him and he, he wants you to be mindful of him and he wants relationship to be the number one thing in your life. He doesn't want... He doesn't want anything you do for him to take the place of knowing him. Because if that's the case, then what you do for him becomes your identity and you're only as good as that's going. Did you get that? He doesn't want anything. He doesn't want you serving him. He wants you to know him. And in knowing him, your life will be lived in him. But a song like that, I was so touched. I love that song because it is a simple gospel. Like he was standing here, Jesse's standing here, and he says... He said this, and he said this, and I guess you were trying to impersonate me. I don't know. (laughs) But he said, it was so simple, and I'm thinking, it's a simple gospel. (laughs) Come on, if it was complex, I wouldn't be free. I'd I'd still be thinking about it. (laughs) I'd still be studying. (laughs) But, But think about this, really. Just think what this could look like. You, you waking up in the morning with a little song like that stuck in your heart. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're mindful of the gospel. Now it's important and we'll make sure that I'm sure you, got, you, you guys got some good teachers to see. Because when Chris got up and said, God's doing something in Southern California, it's exciting because I travel all around. And he's changing the way his people think. He's, we're getting it. Like we're understanding why he sent his son. Yes. For like forever it was to forgive your sins and make sure you go to heaven. And make sure you go to church somewhere. And I'm, I'm, I'm into gathering. I'm not against you going to anything. I think we ought to all connect somewhere and be a part of something and just, stay, just keep your health and keep your heart protected. And, but, but, but for a long time, I don't think we understood the gospel. I think somehow we thought it was about something we could get from him. And him blessing us and taking care of us and protecting us and... A lot of us were as self-conscious after we were Christians than before. And your prayers were all about you and how he could bless you, protect you, give you a better job, more money, God, please, God. You love me, right, God? You know, it's just stuff like that. And it was just all about being forgiven and going to heaven someday. Instead of being transformed and restored back to what he intended from the beginning. and So that you could walk in the light as he's in the light. So you could shine and let your light, without trying to be evangelistic, let your light just so shine before men that they see your life lived and go, Wow, there's a God. That sure beats a lunch table debate, you know. It just does. But think about this. You wake up in the morning thinking about the gospel with a... Fresh or new understanding of the gospel. Gospel means good news. 
So it ought to be good if you're preaching good news. If you're not preaching good news, it's not the gospel. And I'll preach it here in a second, I promise. I just will. I can't help it. God gave me a mic. I can't help it to preach the gospel. But you wake up understanding why he sent his son and understanding what he accomplished. They sound like simple questions, but I've learned in traveling for years, a lot of Christians don't have a strong answer. You say, why did God send his son? It's to forgive me. No, it's to transform me. It's to put his life back inside of you. He became a lie to put the truth back in me. He lost his appearance and his visage on the cross to get the image and glory of God back on me. He was separated. I never will be. He died. I never will. Wow. That's a little more intense than forgive me and someday I go to heaven, but I stay self-conscious, frustrated, discouraged. And somehow believe everything I was before him is who I really am, but now I added him to me. When he gives you new life, the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation, old things. That means everything before now. Old things pass away. Behold, power of God, all things become new. That's your mindsets, your motives, your reason for being. Everything changes. Somehow we've made it a bless me prayer that takes me to heaven instead of heaven coming back into me and changing me forever. And then sowing into men's lives and reproducing after my own kind, which is in him. That's the simple gospel. Christ in me, the hope of glory. You know what the word glory very simply means without holding the big long conference with it? Which you could. And, and it would be awesome. But the glory of God isn't, isn't, isn't all the manifestations. We're talking about specifically the specific manifestations. The glory of God is any made known, seen attribute of God. Yeah. Is the glory of God revealed. So watch this. The Christ in you and the Christ in me is the hope of God being seen and known. Come on. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Now I know what you were, I know what's wrong with you up there. I get it. You're awesome. Your wife and kids are too. What a family. I like putting my hand on your shoulder when you ask us to do that. Who asked us to do that? Chris? Yeah. Yeah. Because I just, your family came right to my mind, so I prayed a bunch of stuff. You wake up in the morning, and you start singing that song, It's a Simple Gospel. And I rejoice in you. It automatically turns your heart to be personal. Now you're not even asking for blessings or favor or benefit. You're communing. Yeah? Come on, it's a part that I've learned it's missing in a lot of folks' lives that actually have a prayer life. They pray about stuff, which it's not wrong. But they don't understand communion with God. Father, thank you. Walking through the house. Father, I so thank you that you love me. 
God, thank you for forgiving me of everything I've ever done outside of you and putting your life inside of me. God, I thank you that right now I'm unveiled and unashamed in your presence because you absolutely... And you stop right in the middle of your house. Stop. And you just lift your hands and say, you absolutely love me. Yes. I've learned a lot of good-hearted people are still struggling to believe that, let alone commune that and receive that. They're letting life speak louder than truth. They're letting their own feelings, memories, people's impressions decide who they are instead of the cross. Come on, the cross is a big deal. Simple gospel, the finished work of Christ. He must think you're pretty amazing and valuable when it's all said and done, huh? Come on, who pays a high price for nothing? And see, we're so, it's been so beaten to us that the cross is all about the depravity of man. And that you have to come from the angle of depravity and keep showing man his depravity so he cries out for mercy. Come on. We all know. We all know in this room by now we've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I'm not making light of sin. You need to see that. Without repentance, there's no transformation and change. But it's just for a moment that you need to see your need for a Savior. But if you think it's all about sin and your depravity, you're going to get confused and wonder why He died for you because you're going to think your sin waiting to happen or a problem child or failure waiting to happen. And we tend to think that our ability to fail makes us failures. So then the tree is undecided and the fruit's never clear. Who writes a check if they don't believe what the purchase possession they're receiving for the check? Who writes the check, honestly, if you don't believe what you're getting in return is worth the price? Come on, I know us by now. You're bargain hunters. You're two for one. You're buffet all you can eat, $9.99, if that's still around. Come on. Hey, that's on sale. Hey, did you get, you'll drive across town. Because it's a dollar less. Am I right? I preach this a lot because no preacher in my life, and I'm not mad at preachers, I'm just telling you, in my life, my life, not yours, in my life, no preacher in my life ever told me that Jesus died and paid a price to redeem and restore my value and what he created me to be and, and restore my destiny and my purpose and put his life inside of me. Every preacher told me he died because I sinned. And I needed to pray so he'd put my name in a book called Life and one day when a trumpet blows, I'll be on the roster. That's all I was ever taught. So by the time I was 20, I stopped going to church. So that's on me. That's not on anybody else. That was my choice. I just found enough excuses and quit going. Didn't understand. And I thought, why would this man Jesus die for me when I'm perpetual sin? When I'm sin waiting to happen. Why does he care? Why does he want to forgive me? Why does he want me in heaven and I don't know him now? Why is he paying such an extreme, ridiculous price to give me some kind of eternal gift when I feel far from him? It confused me my whole life, the gospel, the way I heard it preached. And what it did was it blinded me to the actual love of God. And unless you see God's first love, you can't love God. You feel indebted. And if you feel indebted, you'll serve him and you'll question your serving and you'll never feel like you're doing enough. You'll feel like you owe him instead of in love. It's just true. 
No one loves God first. It's Bible. It's settled to me. It's not up even for debate. No one loves God just because he got this urge to love God. You love God because you see his first love. And if you just say it's Jesus dying on the cross for the remission of your sins so that one day you qualify for heaven, but life isn't dramatically changed and you don't understand what it's really saying, then it's more of a mystery than a revelation. Because you're still in touch with you and you still feel the same. And you might have prayed that prayer, but you're still frustrated with your boss and you still wish your spouse would change. Hello? It's not the gospel. The gospel's being transformed. The gospel's putting off the old and putting on the new. Come on, it's not a hard thing. Chris was stirring me up with some of the things he was saying. And, and then, what does surrender look like? And I'm thinking, man, that's good. What does it look like? Well, I know this. It's not hard because the only thing he's asking me to give is what I never was anyway. Hello? Man didn't just sin. He took on the nature of the enemy of God. His whole being changed. He said, the day you eat the tree is the day you surely die. Well, we know he didn't fall over dead. So what died? The image died. His created value died. His oneness with the Father died. Everything he looked like in him was lost through sin. And he got perverted and manipulated and what was love a second ago became self-centered, self-sufficient, self-defending, self-protecting, self-justified. And what was all about him became all about me. The Bible teaches that every man from that day was born into Adam. And you must be born Again, and somehow we turned it into a beneficial prayer that takes me to heaven someday. Instead of a life transformed and restored back to the beginning. Come on, if God made me in his image and God is love, then God made man to love. Not to need love, to be love. The reason he needs love is because Adam sinned. And he got cut off from the source of love and now he needs love because he's cut off from love. So now we try to find love through one another, identity through one another. That's why people aren't doing well. They're only as strong as the weakness around them. They're only doing as good as the people that are cheering. And if no one's cheering, you're crushed if you don't have an identity in Jesus. And now you'll serve and strive and go out of your way and go the extra, extra mile for accolade instead of truth and purpose. Now you'll just try to fit in because you don't believe you do. And you want somebody to say something nice so you go out of your way to get the compliment because it feeds with starving. Come on, I'm being real. I won't cry on you guys. I'll do it on the inside. I've seen way too many discouraged people that go to church. And it proves we don't understand the finished work of Christ. And we're trying to find ourselves through other things. And we have discouragement totally justified. We believe it's normal and it's an absolute lie and it's unscriptural. <laughs> now I'm not crying. <laughs> Be real with me, people. Come on. If you're discouraged, where's your focus? 
What's, what's going on? You're weighing how everything's affecting you personally, the position it's putting you in, how it makes you feel, what it means now for you. You are the sole focus in the arena of discouragement. And how's that fit with if any man come after me, let him first deny himself, pick up his cross and follow me. You don't find discouragement in Jesus. So why is it in our lives? Because it came through Adam, not him. Trouble is we justify it and call it normal and say everybody has their moments. No, that's why you have yours. Because you have a belief system set up for it. So if you take away the runway, the plane has nowhere to land. And what happens if a plane has nowhere to land? It'll keep circling. It'll be there. You'll hear it. It'll pass by again. Sooner or later, it'll run out of gas and crash and no more plane. Yeah? You change the way you believe and the way you see, your whole life will change. The gospel isn't all about just God sending fire and lightning and thunder and rain all the time and you getting whacked. The Bible is about you seeing different than you've ever seen before. Because if He changes your eye, He changes your life. And the just shall live by Not against manifestations, but not against the things Holy Spirit does. Are you kidding me? But the just live by faith. We don't need another manifestation. We need to believe the finished work of Christ. Most of us are past needing a manifestation. It's time to believe the gospel. It's truth that makes you free, not ministry. Come on. I don't think any of us just need another order call. We need truth. It's truth. It's truth that makes us free. And if I continue in the truth, when everything else is raging and saying other things and the voices are many and the feelings are unsettled, but I look to Him, I look back to Him, I look to Him, and I continue in the truth, I will know the truth. And the truth, the truth itself, will make me free. Yeah? Come on. So... So why did God send His Son? To redeem us back to the beginning and restore truth in our lives. We beheld Him in grace and truth. He's the Word made flesh. When you see Him, you see the Father. It was the love of God. God so loved us, He sent His Son. And Jesus so loved us, He came. It's a beautiful story, but let's not turn it into a suffering Savior. Let's turn it into sin, cursed in the flesh, and God crushing sin, and sin having no dominion over you, and you living by the Spirit, filled with the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, being absolutely encouraged every day by one simple truth called the gospel. Yeah? That sure beats just getting all messed up by what somebody said or didn't say and then holding on to that for five or six years and making it your alibi. That's a bummer. Well, I wouldn't be feeling this way if it wasn't for... Stop that. Stop doing that to yourself. Because the thing you're saying, if it wasn't for... It isn't Lord. So why does it have the right to govern and dictate your life? Well, I'd be a different place if it wasn't for this, this, and this. This, this, and this isn't Lord. There's circumstances. There's stuff that we all go through. 
But if you don't know who you are in Him, you'll think you are through that stuff and you'll let something matter more that doesn't matter most. And you're serious and sincere and you honestly believe it should matter. They're not willful excuses, it's deception, guys. I'm not talking to a room of hypocrites. Are you kidding me? I'm not. You didn't come here on a Friday night because you're seeking a way to miss God and play the game. I don't believe that for a minute. I'm talking to people that really do care. I'm talking to people that want to know him more and want to be fruitful and productive. And I didn't come here to spank and correct you. I came here to tell you who you are. Not so you leave here and say, boy, I got a long way to go. <laughs> no. So you leave here and say, man, I got light on the trail. I got direction. I don't feel like I'm ambling anymore in the dark. I'm heading somewhere. I've got answers. Man, they're right in front of me. Yeah? Because it's a simple gospel. Come on! I'll tell you, if, if, if we at large would start receiving the love of God every day and understand that He loves us unfailingly, that on your darkest day, He didn't lose sight of who you were. Even on the day you were willful and rebellious, love sat there and said, it's not that He condones sin, it's not that He says, oh, I don't mind. No, he's able to see you for who he created you to be apart from where you're going. And love never fails because he didn't, he doesn't wake up because he doesn't slumber. But you'll catch this. He didn't wake up today to be loved by you. He's love. Love doesn't seek its own. Love takes no record of wrong. Why? Love didn't wake up to need you. Love's secure in love, so love loves you. Come on, if I woke up and needed you today to find out who I am, I'm only as good as you're seeing me posting and testifying. And now I have to read all that in insecurity and hope that there's more good than bad. Are you kidding me? I found the testimony of me. In Him. Come on! Ah! Ah! And that doesn't make me arrogant and pompous. It actually helps me to see the truth about me so I have the best look at you I've ever had. Yeah! I finally see you for what you're worth and who you are. Do you think that I flew to Orange County today from Pennsylvania because I needed to? Do you think I did it for that offering? If I was doing it for offering, I'd have said, network 10 churches, get a thousand or I ain't coming. (laughs) Guys, I used to get eight to 10 invites a week. Add that up, 52 weeks. Now I get 20 a week. Add that up. And I'm here. I'm here. Why? One reason. I want to. I pulled his name out of my little stack. (laughs) My little stack. My granddaughter said, Grandpa, what is all those papers always there on the corner of the table? I said, honey, I said, this is unbelievable. It's really humbling. And she's 10, right? Kids are the best. I said, every one of those is an invite to a church in America. She went, Grandpa, what? She picked them up. She's like, I didn't know there was this many churches in America. 
I used to get 400 a year about. I used to actually kind of monitor them a little and keep track because it fascinated me because it, it sends a statement of the openness and the hunger and what's going on at large in the church. So it's, I'm not counting them to be weird like, I get 400 invites. It says God's doing something. Because it's not through relationship, it's through the internet. It's through YouTube. Like, I don't even own a computer. I don't. I have no desire for a computer. I'm not against them. I'm just not a computer guy. I don't even know what I'd do with one. Well, I had one on my office and my desk. I just never turned it on. So the girls would come and use it so it didn't dust up or something, they said. I don't know, but I just didn't turn it on. And I said, don't you dare give me an email address. They'll be sending me jokes and stuff, and I'll have to filter through. My pastor didn't check his email for three days and had 500. I said, I don't need that. I don't want that. You get so occupied in that stuff. And when you're all through it all, you accomplish probably hardly nothing. You just chuckled at a few things. <laughs> I'm just telling you. I just, I just not, I'm not a computer guy. I'm not against it. I do have some concerns, but I'm not against it. I don't think it's the one-eyed beast and the Antichrist. I, I, people, say, people have asked me, do you stay with the computer because you believe it's the Antichrist? I'm like, what? Yeah. The computer? <laughs> no, the computer can be an amazing blessing, huh? You ought to see the testimonies I get. I could schedule my whole year overseas. I get so many invites, I could easily schedule my whole year overseas. It's just fun. That's all because of the internet, and I don't even own a computer. It's hilarious. You know what else is funny? I've never put anything or posted anything on the internet. Everything on there, people put on. All the stuff, people come to me and they say, oh my goodness, I watched your five-part series on following or being like Jesus. And I'm like, I don't even know what they're talking about. I never did a five-part series walking like Jesus. <laughs> Somebody took five little segments of teachings and made a neat little thing out of it. And they said, it's really helping them. And I'm like, praise God. <laughs> Somebody said, man, your YouTube channel is so organized. I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. I have, this, I have this old antiquated website. When they built the website years ago, I said, make it. I don't want no fluff. I don't want nothing dramatic. I don't want nothing attractive. Just make it simple, low-key. I don't want no hype. Because they were telling me they just wanted it to get the messages out. Then fine. If that's important to you guys, you can do it. But I need to make sure it passes me. Like, I had to read it and make sure they didn't do anything. Because people wanted eye-popping and all that stuff. And there's a place for some of that in some things. Not with ministry with me. Because we're not here to build a kingdom. We're here to minister one that's already here. You're not here to become somebody. There is somebody that's already somebody. That's right. <laughs> and if he wasn't in me, you wouldn't even notice me ever. Yeah? <laughs> Like 21 years ago, you would not have asked me to come here, except you'd have been praying and fasting. I got saved. <laughs> she wouldn't have gave me a mic. So he's a big deal, and and I I'm 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 all right carrying him, expressing him, showing him. But I'm telling you, you don't need titles, prestige, reputation. Jesus made himself of no reputation. We've sought reputation. Some of us are just looking for a chance to manifest. So just go to work and walk in love. 
why do you think that's preaching or teaching at a Bible study? Just go forgive somebody when they deserve it, <laughs> like earned it. <laughs> just go make peace. Come on, just be like Jesus and manifest, right? I, I hope you guys are all right. I just... So yeah, the reason I got into all that, okay, this is stuff that was coming on my heart. I wasn't sure if I was heading there, but I'm going there. The reason I was sharing all that is because I said I'm here because I want to be. Now watch, listen carefully. Can you tell when I get emotional? I never want to play that card, but I can't help it. This stuff's real to me. It gets inside me. and I'm crying inside. You have no idea. Well, you have a little idea maybe, but you don't know how serious it is. I'm not doing good tonight hiding it at all. Usually I do better. The Bible says the pure in heart shall see God. The why behind your life is the biggest deal of all. What motivates you and makes you tick is so important if God's going to be with it. You can do something for God and in His name for all the wrong reasons. You can start a ministry for all the wrong reasons. You can start a ministry just because you're looking down on the ones in your town and feel like they're all religious. So you start a ministry because everybody around here is religious and nobody understands. We need a good, viable ministry. No, that means you're self-righteous, proud, and misguided. And you're going to ask Jesus to bless what you're motivating out of your complaining, out of your judgment, out of your lack of compassion towards others. And you're going to ask Jesus to bless that and elevate what you're doing. It's going to make you proud and self-righteous. And in the end, it's going to be a bad and ugly thing the way it'll end up. And I'm not talking judgment in hell. I'm just talking it won't be good. I don't know why I'm on this. I touched it a tiny bit today, this afternoon in conversation, but I didn't really go there and it's never left my heart. And I'm like... Come on, guys, the why behind your life. There's people that do things in the name of the Lord because they're frustrated, disappointed, discouraged, and judgmental. It's the pure in heart that see God. You can't expect God. You can pray for your spouse because you're frustrated with your spouse. And you know if God would change your spouse, it would relieve you. And God will never answer that prayer and allow you to stay motivated that way. That's why it hasn't answered. And then three years later, you're like, well, I've been praying for him for three years. No, you haven't. You've been crying over yourself and complaining and failing to love them in their demise and trouble. You're failing to see their value in the thing that's frustrating you. In other words, you're not praying for them because you love them and you have mercy towards them because you know there's so much more than what they're failing in. You're actually frustrated. You've allowed them to cross the line and you're saying, well, they do it on purpose and they ought to know better and I wish God would knock them off their high horse. That prayer will never get answered because he won't empower you to stay there. Because if God changes him, he's telling you that that's the right way to think and pray. Your heart is so critical in your Christian walk. The proverb says to guard your heart because out of your heart flows the issues of life. Everything you do has to come from a pure place for the reason of love.
It's, it's, it's a touchy thing. It's hard to talk about and teach, but I think we can catch the principle. So, so even if the, if the town you're living in has a lot of religion and nothing really viable is there and God puts a call in your heart, when, when God really puts the call in your heart, the evidence is that there's a humility in you and it's not ever projecting on another ministry. You're not saying, boy, God had to raise me up because nobody else wants to follow him. It's judgmental. You'll, you have a low view. You're looking down on folks. It's trouble, I'm just telling you. I don't know why I'm saying this and who I'm saying this to tonight, but man, please just pray about and think about the depth of what I... Listen, my wife prayed for me for 13 years so I would change. It was only because God told her you were reduced to another hurting wife that prayed and I couldn't answer that prayer and leave you that way. (laughs) He said you never prayed for him because of mercy, because of brokenness, because of looking at his life and saying, wow, he's really lost. No, you became frustrated and hurt in your own heart and all your prayers were fueled by your pain, not your love. And I'm concerned in the church that we've become so familiar with pain that we think it's normal and each other relates to each other based on pain and then we show more sympathy than we do spirituality. We just know that if that was my story, I'd be hurt too, so we comfort them and we call it prayer. But you're actually giving them permission to be broken and there's no help for change. See, love doesn't take into account of the wrong done to it. So pain can never be the factor of motivation. People say, well, we all get hurt. I wish we'd relook at that. It didn't say for God was so frustrated at wit's end and, and, and couldn't take humanity anymore. He finally sent his son. Finally pulled the trigger. When things were about as bad as you could get and he couldn't take any more, he finally sent his son. No, it said he so loved you and me. So in the midst of the craziness, he never lost sight of the truth of what he made men to be. So no matter what men failed to produce, he knew what's possible and never lost sight of our created value. He never lost sight of what you can be. And, and the cross says you are worth it. The, the blood of Jesus Christ crucified. Forgive them, Father. They know not what they do. That doesn't sound like what we grew up with, guys. Come on, let's not just make him some special man and miss it and say, well, that was Jesus. No, we miss it. We say that a lot. Well, that was Jesus. No, that was love. It's not because he was Jesus, J-E-S-U-S. It's because he's love. See, if you single him out and relate to him as a man and just say, well, that was Jesus. I hear the church do that a lot. That was Jesus. No, no, no. That was love. And you were made in his image. And he said, follow me. And as he is, so are we. And the things he does, will do. If we believe, don't let anything change your faith in him. And I'm not talking about your faith in him to get a better job. I'm talking about your faith in him willing to empower you and give you everything necessary to follow him. Romans 8 says, you're predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son. And who he predestined, he called. Who he called, he justified. Who he justified, he glorified. What shall we say to these things? Right? Or if God didn't spare his own Son for us, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not give us everything in that same Son? And what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? That's amazing. Guys, he is set on redeeming the truth of his image in people. 
I'm just going to say it plain and bold. I'll touch on it all weekend and clarify it. But if we miss becoming love, we've missed the whole point of why he sent his son. He did not send his son so you pray a prayer one day and get your name in a book called Life. It's so life comes back into you. Yeah. Come on. We all know Jesus as love. Forgive them, Father. They know what they do. Beat to a pulp beyond description. We saw the crucifixion plays and stories. Who saw the passion? I mean, it was actually worse than that if you read your Bible. He was marred more than any of the sons of men. That means no one ever looked worse at the hands of men than Jesus when they were finished. You look at the barbaric things people have done to people. Jesus was worse because the Bible says. His visage was marred more. You burn people at a stake and they're done burning, how marred is their visage? Come on. You can't even tell who they are, right? It says Jesus was marred more than any of the sons of men. When they were done with Jesus, there's no way you could tell who he was. Why? When sin got done with Adam in the garden, there was no way you could tell who he was. He lost his appearance. You get it? So love came. And said, I'll tell you what, I'll take all that and put it on me and I'll lose my appearance to pay the price if they'll put their faith in me to get their appearance back. I'll lose my image so they can get theirs back. It's just so powerful. That's how I feel. That's what's wrong with me. That's why I'm passionate all the time. Listen, guys, in June, I'll be 21 years old in the Lord, not 21 days. Not 21 weeks of excitement and zeal, and then life catches up. (laughs) No, not today, friend. (laughs) Tomorrow won't be the issue either. (laughs) 21 years. I'm getting worse, I promise you. I've just learned how to control it to teach. But I'm very excited on the inside. You have no idea. I'm alive and I'm not bored and I'm not tired and I'm not Jesus. When are you coming back to get us out of this rattle? Life is a dread. Life is tough. Life is hard. Life bleep. Whatever. That's not the truth. Life is a gift. And you got this little window in your body with a heart beating. To house the Spirit of God and leave a legacy that brings glory to His name forever. You got this little, this is your moment. This is your time, my time. This is us. Right now, 2016, here we sit. This is our little moment to leave a legacy, not survive. The gospel's not a survival kit. Read all my little promise books and pray and hope to make it. Make it through, brother. I don't even know how we got so deceived. Nobody has to treat me right for me to love, to follow Jesus. Come on. Nobody has to do anything special for me today for me to be okay. I was okay when I woke up. And ain't nothing about the day that can change the truth that makes me okay. Come on, you squeeze an orange, what do you get? I'm glad you said orange juice and not any other kind of juice. Because it's just a common, obvious answer, right? It's not deep. See, it's a simple gospel. 
And you ought to know that in California. If you squeeze an orange, what do you get? Would it be strange if it was apple? Why isn't it strange if you squeeze a Christian and get everything but Christ? That probably ought to be strange. Maybe it's because we talk Christianity as a lot of other things. wonder if Christianity is Christ-likeness, and Christianity means little Christ-like one. Huh. So I'm not picking a fight, but I'm not afraid of one. So go ahead and squeeze me. <laughs> See? Yeah? Wouldn't it be awesome to have Christians on the workplaces and all around the highways and the byways that aren't hurt and offended and frustrated and standing for their rights? Pleading their case, calling their friends and telling them all the bad things their boss is doing and then praying for him to get fired? All that stuff happens all the time in the church. Or worse yet, mad at God for letting him do it to you and not giving you a new job. And not even understanding you're called to shine in the face of darkness and learn that light is greater than darkness. Nobody walked into a very bright room and said, whoa, dude, would you turn up the darkness? (laughs) If the room gets dimmer and darker, it's because somebody turned down the light. And you are the light of the world. So let your light so shine. Yeah, but you don't know how they're treating me. Well, what did God do for you and how did he treat you? Yeah, but you don't know what I'm going through. Yeah, what did Jesus go through and why? See, maybe we put our eyes in a very self-serving way without realizing it. And we discern things based on how they affect us instead of the kingdom. And if we seek ye first the... Whoa. See? (laughs) Isn't that awesome? So if we seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things will be added. He's not talking about full vats and barns. He's talking about everything necessary to walk out while you're here. Get it? We're good at praying for stuff. I want to become like him. I don't want to ever have a theology that allows me to even have an issue with God. I talk to Christians, they say, well, talking about the Lord. Well, we're just working through some things right now. We ain't really talking. I'm like, what? You've fallen out with the Lord like you do with a person, which you should in any way. And all of a sudden, it just reveals we don't understand. Like, well, I was praying and praying, and I was sure he told me this, and then he never did, so we're just working through some things. You're not working through anything. You're just very deceived in the moment. (laughs) And God's doing well, and, and you have a terrible view of truth. I'm just telling you. Come on. So, so you're lost and you're falling short of the glory of God and you're living in sin. And why are you in sin? You were enemy by the way your mind worked. And yet God came and reconciled you in the face of all that dysfunction. And now somehow you have a view that gives you an issue with the one that loved you no matter what. I think we're missing the point. Did you ever see where Paul writes about the Last Supper? And he says, on the night that Jesus was betrayed. On the night he was betrayed. The Bible says that on purpose. Because he's amazing. On the night that he was betrayed. He didn't say, you know, 
on the last time they were getting together, on the night before he was turned over to the Roman guards, he, he specifically lets you know that he's being betrayed, that he didn't deserve a thing that was coming, and that his own man set him up. He's letting you know, guys, he was betrayed. Because here's the deal. On the night we're betrayed, we cry and call a friend and tell him the whole story. <laughs> and even wonder why God let it happen. Well, if he loved me, how come and why? And I don't know what I can trust anymore because no. <laughs> Hello? These are mindsets we need to confront because they didn't come from Jesus. Come on, if, if you were humble, and I would ask you, I'm not, so don't raise your hand, but if you were humble, and I would ask you, how many people have gotten trapped thinking that way and thinking and not thinking anything of it, it just comes common, you'd be amazed how many people would shoot up their hand. That's why you all giggle uncomfortably when I'm preaching about stuff like this. Because you're relating. You're going, ooh, yeah. <laughs> Bummer, yeah, yeah. <laughs> On the night he was betrayed, guess what his idea is? Break his body, give his blood, pass the bread, and the co- I'm cutting covenant. I'm going to give everything I am to you, God. On the night I'm betrayed. Love's response is forgive them, Father. They know not what they do. That sure beats not going at all, not getting it done. It sure beats getting halfway through. And thinking, man, what am I doing? Why are them letting these people hit me with these clubs and bash me over the head and spit on me? I'm done with this. Come on. Why can't take it? Watch our language we grew up with. Jesus didn't teach us this language. Adam did. The fall of man did. Well, I can't take anymore. Well, how much am I supposed to take? Well, after a while, you just get... Come on. And then you say that to people that understand what you're saying and you get support. Most leaders and teachers. Because they're carrying that stuff too and they think to preach anything else is denial because it's not our common experience. Come on. (laughs) And if you're hurt, you can't preach what I'm preaching. (laughs) Because you're already hurt. Come on. We've made... We sing it's all about him, but we prove we don't get that. We make it all about us and what he can do for us instead of how he can make us more like him. The gospel transforms us and gets us. Watch this. If any man, any man, I love that because that's everybody's invited. Matthew 16, if any man come after me, let him first deny. The Bible doesn't say first, but it leads a list. It says, if any man come after him, let him deny himself. So what's the first thing? We've turned it into a prayer that benefits me with everlasting life. Jesus' gospel is, if any man comes after me, let him deny himself. He didn't say pray a prayer to get everlasting life. We preach that. Because it's a big carrot and it benefits the hearer. But you can still be mad at your boss. At least you prayed that prayer. You come out of the bar with a woman on your arm that's not your wife, but at least you prayed that prayer. Yeah? Come on, I've seen too much of that stuff. We weren't called to preach that. You deny yourself. You teach people you're more than what you're giving yourself to, man. You have greater value than what you're living. 
You teach people who they really are. Why do you deny yourself? You were never made for you. You were made for his image. Where did you come into the picture when Adam ate the tree and the image died? It's the day you surely die. That means everything he was created to be was lost in the moment. And he reproduced that lie. Every man born into Adam. I've heard this one a lot as a pastor. Well, I'm not a robot. What am I supposed to do? Just shut down my feelings and emotions? God gave it. And people get frustrated while they're telling that because their emotions are flying. God gave us emotions, not the ones you grew up with. He didn't. Don't you blame your emotions on God. Adam gave you the emotions you grew up with because they were all hinged on the foundation of self-centeredness. Every, the reason it's easy to be afraid is because you fear for yourself. The reason you're angry is because you're thinking for you and people frustrate you and they get under your skin and they bother you and they get on your nerves. No, the gospel gets you new nerves, new skin, new eye, new way of thinking. So what? So God's just okay with you and then he's ruffled and bothered by everybody else. So now that's what makes you special. What makes you special is you're created for his image. And you have the potential of his purpose. And he didn't count you out. He counted you in. That makes you special and unique because there's only one you in him. Come on. Nobody has your destiny. Nobody has your exact sphere of influence. Nobody will look exactly like you look in the Holy Spirit. You're worth the blood to him. Redeeming that truth is why he died. Not to get you in heaven someday, but to get the truth restored back inside of you now. Because before that moment, you were dead, so everlasting life starts when you come alive. Yeah? Oh, come on, this is a simple gospel. Be honest with me. Somehow along the way, we made it all about our benefit. And blessings and full vats and barns and breakthrough and... Just praying for my breakthrough, brother. The stones rolled away. What are you doing? Well, you, you are already broke through. What you mean is you're waiting for circumstances to change. And the problem with that is the circumstances, till they change, are changing you. It's idolatry. You're letting it matter more when it doesn't matter most. It's just, there's no way out of this. You gave me the mic. You're either going to have to get mad at me or repent and yield or whatever. <laughs> and I'm not doing it on purpose. I'm not squeezing you to see what comes out. <laughs> you, just, you just go, yeah. That's repentance could be that simple. Whoa, yeah. Let me tell you what Jesus looks like without this revelation. He's all beat up. This wisdom didn't come from God. It came from Adam. And we all grew up with it. And it makes an amazing, entertaining talk show. And it makes the viewers of the talk show the judge. But everybody loses. You ever see them secular talk shows? All that people stuff? Who did what? Cheated on who? Betrayed? And then they get them all out there crying. And they play it off with the security. And they're all trying to rip each other's eyes and hair out. And, and, then, and people watch that. Christians watch that stuff. And they, I can't believe he did that to her. Well, I just can't believe she put up with that. Well, how come she went back the second time? Serves her right, foolish girl. And people get into it. 
then they just get sucked right into the whole natural thing of it. <sighs> you be careful with that craziness because what it does is it dulls your spiritual stuff. It, it, it makes you think that's all normal. And it keeps you thinking in a plane where there's no life, where there's just rightness and human reasoning. That would be this. That would be Jesus heading to Golgotha. And all of a sudden, he comes to his senses. He says, what am I doing? Why would I do this for them? Father, I'm not taking another step. And if they hit me with another one of them clubs, I'm told. I mean, look at me. Look what they've done to me. You tell me what I've done to deserve this. I've healed their sick. I've cleansed their lepers. I've raised their dead. I've fed their hungry bellies. And this is the best they can do? Come on, what have I failed to do that you've called me to do? If they didn't change by now, they ain't changing. They don't love me. They don't love you. And what makes you think me dying on that cross and taking this kind of humiliation is going to change them if they ain't changed already? I'm done with it. I ain't dying. They don't deserve it. And I don't deserve this. Can you find that language in Jesus? Then why should it ever be in our lips? Because Jesus didn't teach us to talk that way. The fall of man did. Your human rights did. People say, well, it's your life. No, it isn't. It is his life in you. It's not your life. The world says, well, it's your life. Do this if you want. Do that if you want. They make suicide an option. The world makes suicide an option. If you really want to, it's your life. <laughs> Sometimes people think death is... You know the tragic thing about suicide? Not just that the destiny is lost in the suicide. People are deceived so bad that they're taking something that's not even theirs. It's not your life. It's your life in Him. You were never created to live apart from Him. That's why life is so tough without Him. He's not putting gas in the car so you can drive on roads you weren't called to. Grace isn't empowering you to live a life you weren't designed to live. So life isn't tough. It's just life apart from Him that's tough. I, I, listen, I want you to believe me, but what I'm about to say isn't contingent on you believing me. It doesn't matter who treats me how. I didn't wake up for you to do me right. I woke up to be like him, and that changes everything. I didn't wake up to catch a favor and a break. I already have it. His life is in me. He'll never judge me for where I've been. He judges me for what I've become. I have right standing with God. He sees me right through the blood. What more can I want today? And you think I'm going to let a people issue, a tit for tat, a circumstance stand in the way of truth that makes me free? Not today. Not anyway. Tomorrow, yeah, not a possibility. The next day's not even working. I don't even see the next day working. <laughs> Could you see Jesus? Man, I can't believe they released Barabbas. He... They chose Barabbas over me? 
I feel like a loser. I mean, he kills a man. I raise a man from the dead. He causes conspiracy. I bring peace. These people were whacked. If they want Barabbas, fine. Let them have Barabbas. I hope he kills the rest of their families. Come on. Make an amazing talk show. And nobody would win. You see how foolish that language sounds when you put it in Jesus' mouth? It ought to sound just as foolish in ours. We're made for His image. But I'll tell you what, we were born into Adam and trained our whole lives to say what He's not saying, meaning Jesus. Your whole life you were homeschooled in the wrong home. Seriously. Trained by a lie your whole life. To fend for yourself, to think for yourself, to take a stand, to decide when enough is enough. It was all anti-love in disguise. And it was all about you, even while we're singing, it's all about Him. Come on. I'm so serious about what I preach, that I say stuff like this. If we miss this one point, We'll miss the whole point. Because the Bible itself says, I can have all knowledge, not some. You seek your gifting. You go ahead and seek your gifting if you want, but I encourage you to become love first. Because the excellent way is love. You desire spiritual gifts, yet still I show you a more excellent way. He realized when he wrote it, or, or Holy Spirit adjusted him when he wrote it. Hey, gifts are important, but not without my heart. And they won't have to desire them if they go the excellent way. They'll flow through love. Because if you get desiring apart from love, you'll find your identity through your gifting, and you'll only be in as encouraged as God's flowing it through you. And you'll strive to be used, you'll strive to be noticed. And you might even exaggerate things just because it'll make you feel spiritual if people go, wow. You ought to go, wow, because he loves you. The Bible says, not me, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, you can have all knowledge, not some, all knowledge of all mysteries. All faith to move mountains, meaning every mountain. And if you don't have love, you've missed the whole point. And you have nothing. The Bible says you can give all your goods to the poor and your body to be burned. And if you have not love, why would I give all my goods to the poor if I didn't have love? Because you want to make a name for yourself, feel good about yourself. You want somebody to notice what you did. Simple. It's a self-serving thing. You do things to feel better about yourself instead of because you already see who you are. Come on. And all of a sudden the motive's not pure. And God's not in it. Now the, now the poor still has your goods. <laughs> but that's as far as it goes. And they might even say, wow, he's amazing or she's amazing. And you... Oh. <laughs> you know, maybe. But the Bible says if it's not love, it's nothing. Come on. You guys all right? Honestly, I was never taught this stuff in my whole life. 
I found this and saw this in my bedroom, being alone with him with my door closed. No preacher ever told me Jesus died on the cross because I had great value to him. In fact, growing up, that would have been heresy and blasphemy. But you tell me who spends $50,000 on a $20,000 car. Who does that? Why wouldn't you? It's not worth it. But he shed his blood for me. So if he paid that kind of price to redeem my life, of course he had to die because of my sin. But he didn't die because I'm a sinner. He had to die because I sinned. He died to redeem the truth about my life and get his nature back in me and redeem me back to the beginning, restore my destiny, purpose, and potential to restore covenant oneness and union with the Spirit of God. Nobody ever taught me that and it changes everything. And all of a sudden, I can't possibly be condemned, guilty, or ashamed because on my darkest day, God didn't lose sight of who I was. And the blood of Jesus has been speaking better things over me my whole life. And then when I was 33, I saw it. And Jesus began to unveil it in my bedroom through the word of God. And all of a sudden, it all makes sense now. The cross was never designed to expose your sin. The cross was designed to remove your sin to expose your value. And that's been hidden. And we've made it all about us being sinners. Instead of us being redeemed and born again. The Bible tells you to reckon yourself dead indeed unto sin. Not think it's humble to boast in your ability. Well, brother, you know we're always going to sin. Well, we're always sinners. What are you saying? You're perfect? What are you saying? You don't sin? That's the stuff people say when they hear what I'm preaching. And it proves we don't understand the gospel. Because you're supposed to be long reckoned dead to sin and alive unto God, conscious of righteousness, presenting yourself as members unto God for his good works and proving its fruit unto holiness. So all of a sudden you're living holy without trying to be holy. Grace is changing you and he gets all the glory and you love him all the more. Yeah, that sounds better than you trying and failing and holding on to some sin conscious confession. Amen. <sighs> First Peter 2 says, He bore your sin and my sin in His body on a tree that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness and by His stripes were healed. Does that sound like, well, brother, we're always going to sin. You know, we're not going to be perfect. What are you saying? Are you perfect? What are you saying? You never sin? Reckon your seat. Here's the biggest mistake I've seen us make. And it's a sincere one. It's not an evil one. It's just misguided. We think our ability to sin makes us sinners. So because we believe we're sinners, the tree's never made good and the fruit doesn't change. And then there's no conviction of repentance because that's what we are, you know. It's amazing he loves us. And then we turn love into a mystery instead of a transforming truth. Are you guys with me? You make the tree good and the fruit's what? Yeah? Yeah? So wonder if all I'm teaching is healthy identity that makes the tree good. It's Scott. Is it Scott? It tells... I was paying attention. What I'm preaching tells Scott who he is. So Scott has a starting point. So Scott starts where Jesus finished. And then he'll run well. 
So all of a sudden, Scott can wake up in the morning and say, wow, Father, you love me. You've loved me from the beginning. And now you're teaching me exactly who I am in you, and you're in me, and you want to be, and I'm excited. Man, you don't see me for fault, failure, weakness, or yesterday. You've given me the present and things to come, and you're my Father, and I'm your boy. Empower me. Holy Spirit, I welcome you. Yeah, that sounds like Christianity to me. And man, today's going to be awesome. You're changing my view of coworkers and people in the world around me. If I have this value in your sight, then everyone does, because you said all should come. So God, you didn't just change the view of how I see you see me. I see people now different than I've ever seen them before. God, this is going to be a good day. Thanks for changing my life. That sure beats just crying and asking for a new job, and I hope the car lasts another year because I don't know how I'm going to buy a new one. And you got yourself a wreck, and you're praying all this stuff. And then you go to work, and people go, what's wrong? Nothing, nothing. God will work it out. That's really evangelistic. <laughs> that encourages them to be, to be what they see in you. <laughs> now they're motivated. Hey, where do you go to church? <laughs> I wish I could frown like that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> trying to be brutally funny. <laughs> There's a message in our humor here. Come on. <laughs> Some of us are meaning well. You know, pastors say, When's the last time you invited somebody to church? This week you need to invite somebody to church. And I'm thinking they're thinking, go to your church <laughs> and become like you? <laughs> Not a chance. <laughs> Come on, we've made the point going to church instead of become like Christ. Can I be honest? If you don't pursue Christ's likeness, you're not pursuing why he came. So without realizing you bring your kids to church and make church service attendance the point and the priority and you're rushing to get there and you're frustrated in the way and now you're a little late and you're pushing and you rush your kids to children's church and you run into the seat and you're five minutes late and you sigh and you're half blaming it on your spouse because you thought they were getting up the kids and, and now you stand there and the music's right now you're just... They got all this animosity, all this frustration, and all this stuff, but we finally made it to church. If you keep living that way, you know what you're teaching your children? That church attendance is Christianity. Not Christ-likeness. And you don't even realize what you're doing. There's people living that way, and then they're pointing out at all this stuff, religious, 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 and that's exactly what they are. See, mercy, judgment's without mercy. So when you have to have an opinion about all that stuff, then you're not receiving mercy in those areas. You become the very thing you judge. Mercy is amazing. That's who God is. Judgment's without mercy. It says in James, where there's no mercy given, there's no mercy received. You become the very thing that you're looking at. It's amazing. It's paradox. Yeah? Like if you become a fault finder, the thing you're finding fault in is the very thing you'll be expressing in your life without realizing it. it's total blindness. You follow me? And then you ask somebody to come to church. Well, you need to come to church with me. <laughs> Probably not the most effective way.
I, uh, I was working secular when I first got saved for 13 years in the same place, and then I worked two and a half more before I was pastoring. I had a supervisor call my house on my day off. And this is when this stuff really stuck in me, and I realized how powerful it was. He called my, I'm not boasting on me, I'm telling you what's possible. He called my house, a supervisor, on my day off, and asked me how I live the way I do. And he, I could tell he was emotional. And he said, I know you're going to say it's Jesus, but I don't understand. Please, can you explain your life? Because he knew me almost the whole time before. And I said, you got a minute? <laughs> he ended up coming over and sitting on my porch, talking and crying and got born again. He watched the supervisors to him take advantage of my yes, man, yes and amen heart and saw my fellow union employees coming down on me for being a yes and amen employee. Like doing whatever's asking me, not bumping things down to lower men, taking a bad job. They, rather than go through all the complaining with other guys and giving it to a guy that's bottom or not seniority and then he don't want to do the job and he's taking eight hours to do a six-hour job or whatever. You follow me? I would just take whatever they gave me because somebody's got to do it and I'd just prefer others that way. And I had a smile on my face and I never felt tired and I'd crank it out. And, and then my, my supervisors were taking advantage of that because they were getting all that bad work done by me and my coworkers were telling me I'm making it bad on them. So I had it from both ends. They were using my yes and they were coming down on me for my yes. You get what I'm saying? And yet, I never realized I had a problem. <laughs> and I wasn't doing anything to be facetious. I wasn't doing anything with ill intent. And my coworkers started realizing that there was something so changed to me. There was a purity about my life. So my supervisor, one of them that wasn't doing that to me, watched it all. He told me on the phone. He said, if I was in your shoes, I'd have punched somebody by now. I'd have got fired. He said, makes me so mad to see what my fellow supervisor is doing to you. And then you do your job, and then you get it from the other end. And he was just seeing a guy getting a raw deal. And I never felt that way. I felt like I was doing my work under the Lord and sparing a bottom man and just doing what I was paid to do. And I didn't have a problem. And I would just smile to my coworkers and say, guys, I think you're overreacting. I'm not making it hard on anybody. It's my privilege. If I want to say yes, I'll say yes. Why does the bottom guy always have to do the garbage stuff that you think is the garbage stuff? Why do we always got to bump it down to the bottom man? Man, cut him a break. I'll do it. You shouldn't do it. No, I want to do it. It's okay. Well, I don't know what's wrong with you. <laughs> you know, over two and a half years, I watched su uh, supervisors get saved, but I watched a lot of coworkers get saved. I saw coworkers get healed in the aisleways. I saw Jesus reveal himself, not just to my life, guys, but through my life. And then everybody's asked me to pastor because God was using me. And I'm like, I'm a believer. <laughs> All of a sudden, we think we got a testimony, so now we're in ministry. We're going to be full-time ministry because I have a testimony. Because God did a miracle. I was three months saved. And he put a disc in a man's back that I worked with that wasn't there. It was bone on bone. They were going to fuse it. And Jesus just... Put it in there. <laughs> Come, on. Come on, Darren. He breathed into dirt and a man stood up. 
He can probably fix his back. If you amplify your voice right and say Jesus right. Yeah. <laughs> that was a stab. <laughs> I mean, if you do your part. Isn't it amazing how we even learn to believe our prayer heals people? Your prayer never has, never will heal anybody. It's you believing what he accomplished in his love for the person. So be healed in Jesus' name is probably enough when there's a revelation. But when you think it's your prayer, that's dangerous. Then we ought to all be prayer college grads with degrees or we shouldn't be praying. Come on, man. It's, it's not your prayer that heals it. Be honest. Who's ever prayed for the sick and you got self-conscious about what you were going to say and how you were going to pray? It's happened to all of us. We need to get a grip on that thing. Or then somebody with us says, let me try. <laughs> let me try. <laughs> I've been in those circles, man. I remember when I first got saved, they took me over to this house where this lady had died. And they wanted to go raise her from the dead. And I'm like, Lord, I am never going, at least with that group of people, <laughs> to a dead folk person's house. Dead folks don't need that. I mean, they, they were... <laughs> they already got enough problems. <laughs> this, this group was a trip. They, you just have no idea. And I thought, wow. So if you are going to pray for something like that, you probably ought to take a like-minded person with you. I mean, they were doing inner healing on this guy. <laughs> they, they, were, they were trying to get him. They said he wouldn't come back because he was afraid because of when he was six and they saw him hiding behind a chair. And you don't want to disgrace people, but because they believed it. But I'm like, oh, I, just, I thought I need to go. <laughs> there was, that was just one thing. That was just one thing. Oh, and then they told him it was deer season coming up and you don't want to miss the first day. I got your clothes out and washed and ready and we got everything for the first day. Come on, you need to come back. It was just a lot of stuff. That was just two that stand out. Plus the other three I'm not going to mention. <laughs> See, somebody will say, now you need inner healing. <laughs> I'm so scarred, huh? No, it just showed me that insincerity we tried too hard. Them people were sincere as anybody you ever meet. I'm not making fun of them, but their approach, I am sadly chuckling over that. But I'm not saying, you know, well, that people are weird. No, they were sincere. They really were, but misguided. Whew. I've seen a lot of sincere people get misguided. I've seen a lot of good people not understand and do things that they didn't need to do. And I don't think you're here tonight because you don't have good hearts. I tell you what, I don't even know. I'm talking about praying for the sick, so we probably ought to. It'll be fun. You want to? Okay. Yeah. I was just seeing. I was going to anyway. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding you. No, I was just seeing if you guys were excited about that. S praying for the sick isn't selfish. It's not selfish to believe to be healed. What selfish is, is when you let the, without realizing it, what selfish is, without realizing it usually, is letting the condition or situation of your life dictate your outlook, your faith, and your disposition. 
When you let what you're going through dictate who you are instead of what he went through. Dictate who you are. That's where we get it crossed out. When you're only going to be okay when you get the new job and the pay raise, that's not healthy. If the rent's paid and you're shouting and you got hands raised and people think, man, look at him worshiping. And then the next month, you're not sure if it's going to be paid and you're standing there with a sad face and drawing attention to yourself and you ain't worshiping because you ain't sure. That's when it gets weird. That's when it's all about you and what he can do for you. Now you have more of a contract with God instead of a father-son-daughter relationship. Are you guys with me? Come on, I've seen it. I've seen it. We, we, we ask a Christian, how are you doing? And they usually tell you their two biggest challenges and keep me in prayer. Which means they identify with what they're going through and they're only as good as it seems right now. But maybe tomorrow will bring change. So they're hoping in change, but they're only as good as it's going instead of as good as he is in them. Are you guys with me? Are these thoughts like really foreign or just challenging? Huh? It hurts good, though. It's that old song, you know, it hurts so good. Love, it hurts so good, or something like that. I don't know. There was a song like that. You know I'm from the East Coast, right? You know it's 1230. It's 1230 to me. Can you see how I'm wearing down now? So, so it's 9.30 here, it's 12.30 to my body. So you got three hours to catch me. And you never will. Because at 12.30, it'll be 3.30. So now, see, you can't get tired before me. Because I got a three-hour jump on you. No, I'm just going to, because we got other things tomorrow to do and we're going to pray because I want to take our time. We're going to learn through this and grow. I'm going to get you guys involved. You guys going to help me? Okay. You getting something out of the gospel tonight? Listen, real simply put, what, what do you take out of tonight? Well, Jesus didn't shed his blood on the cross and raise from the dead just to bless me and, and circumstantially make sure things are good. That's a tiny, tiny... In fact, I, 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 I have a hard time even saying that's part of the gospel. I've, Paul said there's times I didn't have enough. He just flat out said it, guys. There's times in my life and ministry I've had more than enough, and there's times I haven't had enough. But he said, I'm not changed by any of that. I'm content in who I am in him. I've learned that no matter what state I'm in, I'm going to be the same. That's right. That's, I'm just paraphrasing what he said. He told Timothy, godliness with contentment is great gain. Great gain. Don't you live discontented or you got your eyes somewhere else. I would be content that his unfailing, unstoppable love. Listen, we believe this in the church at large. We believe the people closest to us can hurt us the most. At large, we believe that. And love takes no account or no record of the wrong done to it. Love doesn't seek its own. So the people closest to you are the people you say you love. So why can they hurt you the most? Maybe they're the people we need and we're banking on. 
And maybe I love you is actually I need you. Don't jump ship on me because you're making my world spin. <laughs> maybe I love you's gotten perverted into I need you. Now we use the same words, love, but the fruit of it reveals need, failed expectations. Broken heartedness. Broken trust. Wonder if God Almighty, Father God, took that perspective for one day and positioned himself for you to fail him or humanity. Would he be encouraged? Come on. Wonder if God saw us and our relationship with him the way we have saw one another. Do you ever think of that? I think of it, why? Because I'm made for his image, and as he is, so am I in the world. He said, follow me. He didn't say, sing to me and pray to me when your things are tight. He said, follow me. So if he said, follow me, I must be empowered to do it if I'm willing. Yeah? yeah. Come on, be honest. Yeah. The people... That we're the closest to, we believe, can hurt us the most. And most ministers of the gospel will tell you that's always going to be true and anything else is denial because it hurts. But wonder if my motive in life changes and the hurt goes away. Wonder if I wake up for a whole different reason for being. Wonder if I wake up and through my relationship with God begin to teach myself that I woke up to love you, not need you. And all of a sudden you don't break my heart anymore because my expectations aren't on you. And then if you do live outside of something that's expected, I grieve for you instead of grieve for me. And all of a sudden I weep for you instead of myself. And all of a sudden I have mercy because I know if you really knew who you were, you probably wouldn't be living that way. And all of a sudden my heart goes out to you instead of hard towards you. Come on, the Bible says that no one owes you anything. It's really what it says in, 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 in Romans 12. But it says you owe no man anything but to love. So the whole reason you woke up today is to love like God. Come on, be honest. That's Bible. He says, brother, if God loved us this way, 1 John 2, ought we not love one another? In John 17, Jesus said, when they become one, Father, when they become one, Father, like we're one, when they become one like we're one, then the world will know you sent your son. He didn't say preach into the bush and build more churches. He said when they see the way we're one and that they're one the same way we're one. When the world sees that, what's he talking about? I guarantee he's talking about love. I promise you if we miss love, we miss the whole point. And I'll never stop preaching it. It's the point. I'll say this real strong before I close and we pray for the sick. The cross of Jesus Christ isn't fulfilled when a man prays a prayer to go to heaven. It's not paid in full when a man does that. The cross of Christ is paid in full when his nature is restored back to love. That's the finished work. The finished work is new life through Jesus Christ. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. The deposit of the blood of the Son of God into the earth 
is only paid in full when the dividends and return is just like him. Sons. Not confessions. Sons. Come on. 1 John 4, the whole chapter talks about God being love. And then it says in verse 17, we know that love is perfected in this, that we have boldness in the day of judgment. Well, I thought the day of judgment is supposed to be a day of gloom, darkness, wrath, and men are going to cry out for rocks and trees to cover them and fall on them and kill them so they don't face the presence of His glory. It's a day of darkness and gloom. Do you ever read your Bible? Not for the Christian. It says, love is perfected in this, that in the day of judgment you have boldness in that day. Why? Because as he is, so are you in this world. That means when he comes, he looks inside your heart and sees himself. And you're not a tear, you're wheat. You're a keeper fish. You're in the live well. Yeah. Why? Because he says, man, I see myself in him. As I am, so is he in the world. Not in confession and not in song. In his life. This old Christian song from years ago. I remember it when I was a kid. They will know that we are Christians by our love. By our love. They will know that we are Christians by our love. Well, when you look at love, it doesn't seek its own. Keeps no records of wrong. Doesn't rejoice in iniquity, it rejoices in truth. It doesn't puff up and parade around. It believes all things and hopes all things and endures all things. It bears all things. Love never fails. Why? Because love sees you for who you're created to be, and that'll never change its mind. On your darkest day, love sees who you're called to be. That's why love rescued you and me from wherever we were. You get it? That's the simple gospel. You say, how do I become that? Alone in prayer, give yourself to him. Tell him that you're willing to become love and ask Holy Spirit to begin to change the reason for being and the why in your life and everything you were taught by the lie that he would realign and bring it into truth and you begin to trust him, fill your heart with the word. And if you come to God and read your Bible from this perspective, it'll all come alive and you'll see that it's all through the New Testament. Like every scripture will come together like a puzzle piece. If you read your Bible in the light of becoming love, it'll all make sense. So the number one way to become love is to want to be. You first have to say yes. You say, well, why wouldn't I say yes? There's a lot of people in a room this size that don't say yes to becoming love. In an unspoken way, they hold on to human rights. They got chips, unspoken chips on their shoulder. They got lines you can cross. And they don't give up their rights. How can you deny yourself and have so many rights? It always puzzled me. (laughs) I've heard the phrase emotional abuse. It's a sad thing because it's out there. But the only thing that really makes it sad to me, not just that people are in a position to abuse people, but that people are in the position to be abused. Because here's the truth. It's not raw and insensitive. You can only emotionally abuse someone who doesn't know who they are. 
You try to emotionally abuse me in the light of what I'm preaching. You try to live with me every day and just work on me. You will get emotionally abused. I'm just telling you. Because I didn't wake up for you to love me. And I didn't wake up to need you. I woke up to be like him. So how are you going to emotionally abuse that kind of motive? And I've established that in prayer. That's settled in my heart. Like I don't have to have to think about that every day and remind myself who I am and why. It's just me. It's in the moment. So now I don't react the way I used to. I don't stop, look, and listen and try to apply truth along the way. The word becomes flesh. You don't live in a crossroads. You live in the way. Now, if you're in a crossroad, at least you're stopping, looking, and listening. But I'm telling you, there's a higher way than a fork in the road. You might have a scarecrow telling you which way to go. (laughs) You just need to know. Amen? Okay. I'm going to leave you with all that. Tomorrow we'll talk a little bit about becoming love probably. We'll see. I say that and then it doesn't happen, so I better not say that. So if I didn't run you off and you come back, I think we're coming back at 1 and 6. I'll be here. We'll be here. There'll be some of us here. We'll be preaching the gospel. I just want you to encourage. Let me tell you why I flew here. First of all, because he invited me. But hundreds of people have invited me. But I'm here, and it's the same. So I'm not going to try to single you out and make some real special prophetic declaration. It's the honest truth. The reason I'm here, for one, I believe what I'm preaching. I believe it'll make a difference, and I believe your sphere of influence is that important. I honestly believe the blood of Jesus matters. So I didn't fly here in the name of ministry. I'd look for a bigger crowd. I get invited to some real popular happening things, guys, and I actually say no. I, I, I've, I've toned it down. I do a lot of smaller settings. I try to believe God will send some people in the room that have no clue who I am and what I'm saying. I don't even go to hot spots. Everybody just knows you. They've all watched. They're all living this thing, so that's good. It's more of a family reunion then. There's something about flying on a plane and going to somewhere for the right reasons because you believe the people are worth the blood and their lives matter and their sphere of influence is important and every person in every location is important. Because the truth is, the raw truth is, on Sunday at 3.14, I'm getting on a plane and I'm flying home and I'm going to be okay. (laughs) And Monday's going to be fun and Tuesday and the next time you see me, I'll be like this. But I want to know that you're okay. And if there's anything I say this weekend that empowers your day in Him, then we've done good. But more than that, if we just sow some seeds, something can grow. That's just how much of a kingdom man I am. I understand if I sow something, something's going to grow. And I'm just excited about that. Amen. I almost said it, even if my flight's delayed or canceled. The last church I was in, I said that, and I went there. I had to stay overnight in Atlanta. (laughs) And I said, well, I got held to them words. (laughs) Isn't that something, how that stuff busts people up? Three times in four months, I had to stay overnight in Charlotte and Atlanta. Just happened that way. It's just all right. You'll get home. Somebody else to love, somebody in front of you. 
somebody at the desk, somebody passing down the hall, somebody you wouldn't even be seeing if you weren't delayed. You got to think that way. You can't say, no, I wonder why all this is happening to me. What did I do wrong? What door did I open? How come the devil got a foothold in my travel schedule? Okay. That's pretty in-depth and confusing. <laughs> so if circumstances wage spirituality, Jesus probably needs a pep talk. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, if you were doing right, Jesus, everybody would love you. <laughs> well, if you were ordained by God, you'd have a bigger church by now. There's a lot of things we'd say to Jesus and set him straight. Uh, okay, I'm done with you guys. I'm sorry. I just say I'm stopping and then I don't. I'm sorry. Let me pray something and then let's pray for the sick. Father, I, I just ask for your grace, not just in this room, I, I believe it's here, but I ask it in the hearts of the people. Yes. That Lord God, you continue to condition our ears to hear, our hearts to receive, and our lives to become. And I just pray, God, that none of these words that were inspired by you, anything you spoke directly, I ask would bring life and fruit into the lives of every person in this room. Not that we have to absorb it all and remember it all, Lord. That you would just, in its due season, just bring forth everything you desire. You know every person. And Lord God, I pray for your great grace on this night. And your great grace on our tomorrow and our next day and our next day. That this word would remain alive in us. And if we find ourselves in any other arena, any other realm of thinking, feeling, that we would so be challenged and and. and and, and so exposed in that moment by your love and your conviction that truth would come and rescue us again and again and again, that you yourself would fine-tune us into an expression of you. So Lord, we just stay before you and say, yes, we're willing to become love, do a work in us that only you could do. And if in any way I'm thinking outside of love, show me, Lord, and guide me and lead me in the truth. Come on, that's a fair and safe prayer, guys. You can agree with that, right? The only way you can is if you really don't want to become love. And that's why you're on the planet, to become love. So, Father, I just thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can find more information about Presence Church at www.presenceoc.org.